Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Boat Trader is America's largest boating marketplace with over 100,000 boats to choose from. We offer simple, comprehensive solutions for those looking to sell, find, and finance new or used boats. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. You know, I take my, my son hunting with me, and he's eight. He's been hunting since he was five. And you know how vocabularies get very simple, and words typically have only four letters in them in the goose pit. And uh, <laughs> he, he's heard it all. I've yet to hear anything out of his mouth, but I guarantee you he could rattle off three or four four-letter words in a row in perfect sequence, and it would make clear sense to everyone. <laughs> Welcome to the Foul Front Outdoors Waterfowl Podcast, where our goal is to recruit and educate new hunters while entertaining the rest of you. Without new hunters and the mentorship of those more seasoned, this passion as we know it faces an uncertain future. So get the word out, turn the volume up, and enjoy the show, because you're on the Foul Front. Just like a, like a sailor mouth almost, but... Yes. Well, how do you how do you go about that? How do you how do you keep them from doing that? You know, learning those that language. He's learned it. I mean, you can't oh. help but not. You know, but the thing is, <laughs> excuse me. The thing is, uh, just teach them right from wrong. So I think if you start that at an early age, kids kind of understand what words they're allowed to say and not allowed to say. Right. Right. So, and and he understands that. If he wants to run around with the big boys, there's certain things that the adults do that he is not allowed to do. But yeah. don't talk to your mom about the stuff you hear out there. Kind of like Fight Club. A very good, yep, there's a very good chance you're not going to be allowed to be around that group if that, if that gets out, you know? <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. Well, mm-hmm. so today on the show we've got uh, Brandon Sarecki of uh, Boss Shot Shells. Um, how you doing today, Brandon? I'm tired. Tired. You're just coming off vacation, though, aren't you? No. Well, I guess technically if you want to call it a vacation, but me going on vacation is more grueling than uh, 
actually being at work because I'm always wishing I was working. I, I kind of have a, a few screws loose in my head, I guess. I'm not able to shut it down. So I'm, I'm, a, I'm a workaholic only because I absolutely love what I do. And uh, you know, I've had certain role models in my life that my dad being one of them that instilled a good work ethic. And I see how other people have lived their lives being successful businessmen. And I think if you do it right, and you have the proper work-life balance, you can earn a solid living and never feel like you have to work a day in your life. And I think I'm one of very few people in this country that gets to wake up excited about what I get to do every day when I'm allowed to go into work. So you take me out of that and throw me in a different environment um, that doesn't have structure like vacation, and I'm a fish out of water. Right. <laughs> I can, I can see that. I know a lot of people that are, uh, that are like that, but, uh, I'm not one of them. So <laughs> you cannot, uh, you don't have a problem unplugging yeah, I, for a week. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, also I on the show, play. we've got, uh, we've got Austin, the degenerates. Yep. And, yep. and Alec, yep. um, who are going to be joining us today for the, for the show. So, um, I think today what we wanted to get into a little bit, uh, Brandon, is how did Boss Shot Shell, um, how, how did it come around? Oh, it came around, we're about at the one-year anniversary, I think uh, maybe just past it. Um, snow goose hunting in the spring down in Arkansas with mm-hmm. an outfitter. Uh, and leading up to that, um, two years ago, well, I guess I'll, I'll tell the story and then I'll rewind a little bit, but... We were in Arkansas last year, and the guides that we were hunting with, um, it was our second year with that same group, and I had brought hand-loaded ammunition with me the previous season, and the guys were all afraid to shoot it, um, but by the end of the, the week, they were begging me for the leftovers, and you know we went our separate ways, didn't talk to the guys at all over a year, and then we rebooked and hooked back up with them, and this time they asked if we came with, you know, extra shells for him. And I knew that would be kind of be the case because, you know, the stuff was just really, really deadly and, you know, really precisely made and nice, pretty crimps and, you know, just really, really good stuff. So after the trip and these guys were raving about how the stuff works and I was kind of thinking, man, I could probably have a nice little tax write off if I could form a, a business around the outdoors and spend time with my son and, you know, travel around, go on a couple hunting trips a year and, you know, expense the, the cost if I could make a few shells. So I started talking to a few people who led me to uh, my buddy Lee. Now is one of my best friends in the world. And uh, we decided to kind of throw some ideas around and form this company around a direct-to-consumer business model. And one of the issues I really kind of had with commercial ammunition was the amount of cripples that we would shoot and you know, I like to consider myself a well better than average shot. And with steel, it always seemed like you're hitting birds, you're wounding them. You think they should be dead and they end up sailing off into the buck brush or, you know, cornfields or wherever it is. And you're just losing birds. So I hate shooting cripples. I wanted to spend time with my son. I love business and I love working. And out of that, Boss was born. 
And you said uh, the other guy on your team, really, is uh, Lee, and he's your Lee Charles. He's yep. your social media guy, right? Well, he's way more than that. I mean, uh, I'm a manufacturing guy, kind of got an engineering mind and pretty strong business background. I know dollars and cents and hard work and that whole thing, but I really suck with social media and computers and technology. Well, you so guys are dialogue with yeah, you guys are killing it on social yeah. media. Yeah, so I ended up, you know, like I said, talking to people who led me to people, and the third guy in line after having multiple conversations was was Lee Chose, and uh, you know I didn't know who in the heck this guy was, and I googled him like everyone does, and I started seeing you know the the work that this guy's done for you know Filson and Yukonuba and Sport Dog and I mean you name it Benelli and. Beretta, all kinds of advertising work and photography and just all kinds of stuff. So Lee ended up calling me back after two weeks of leaving voicemail messages with him. And he was out on location doing a bunch of photo work and so on and so forth. And we ended up connecting and I kind of pitched my idea to him. And he uh, really thought it was something. And um, we decided it best to partner up and he runs the social media side of things all the brand building he named the company did all the logo work all of the apparel you see um a lot of content that is created all the photography that's all that's all lee oh yeah and uh i take care of the manufacturing and the brainchild of like load development and you know the process side of things so between the two of us we we cover all the bases and i couldn't think of a, a better guy to be working with in, in this environment and now you guys are out of minnesota right no we're in or, southwest michigan South michigan minnesota. that's what michigan. it was yeah um southwest Florida State. well who else who else is on the team that uh you know kind of behind the scenes who are some of the people that you got over there well i've got 18 people at my main business so that's the you know the thing that that allows boss to be how it is with our low prices and direct to consumer model. And our overhead is controlled by running a lot of those expenses, not expenses, but at least, you know, the building and yeah. some of the manpower and all that. The overhead. Yep. So we've got, you know, 18 people in my, my main business. And then boss consists of me and Meg, who everyone knows who's ever called the shop. And then rich, Pulaski, um, longtime waterfowler, big time goose hunter, uh, local guy. And then that's in Michigan, the three of us. So all the shells are manufactured by, you know, Lee, Rich, or I'm sorry, Meg, Rich, and I. It's like this morning, Meg got all the orders printed out for stuff that came in yesterday. Rich got the machine all set, and then the three of us went to work and knocked out 30 some cases of shells in a couple hours. And then we took lunch, and now we're getting. You know, everything all set for the morning. So, awesome. And then over in Minnesota, we got uh, Lee and his son, Luke. Uh, and then all of our friends in the industry. I mean, there's people all over that, that kitchen. You know, Cagle from Righam Wright helps us out. Uh, Alex Langbell out in Washington. And, you know, Zach Meyer from Wild Ear. And, you know, Ira from Momarsh. And, you know, you name it. We got people that help out all over the country. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. 
So, I didn't realize that you guys have only been going for like a year now. How did, how did you guys become like a household name so fast? <laughs> I mean, you talk to anybody that's been that's an avid hunter and boss shot shells, is, they know about them. They've shot them. Well, you know, we started, I think our first post on social media went up late, late, late September or early October. And we didn't start shipping shells until, I think, October 6th or October 12th. So, I mean, we're still wet behind the ears. I mean, we're yeah. brand new. Um, I think, oh, a lot of it is social media. I mean, let's talk. We're on a web-driven podcast right now. So, I mean, so that's all exactly. computer, internet-based. So, I think in the world of, I guess, maybe public opinion, people think that print is dead. And everything is all online, web-based. And I think to an extent that's true, but not not. it's not as big as what people think. Um, social media, Instagram, Facebook is low-hanging fruit. So I like to say that if a guy's got a social media account, owns a piece of Sitka, and has an article of Yeti, they heard a boss shot shells. I mean, that's just <laughs> kind of how it is. Yeah. Um, and, and it's really, I mean, the waterfowling community is very small, mm-hmm. right? Uh, yeah, there's a million and a half people, you know, hunting licenses or duck stamps sold per year. Um, how many people have social media accounts? I would say not as many as you think. Mm-hmm. So when you're talking to people about, you know, who know our company, it's people with social media accounts. Yeah. That yeah. we know that we've made a pretty big splash and in order to keep that going, we've got to, you know, access other outlets, you know, print being one of them, but the number one most important uh, method of relaying information is word of mouth through friends and family. Yep. And you guys are direct so that, to consumer that, only, right? Yeah. And that's by design a hundred percent. It's not because, you know, retailers don't want to sell our stuff and yeah, you know, it's, it's us saying, we do not want to be sold through middleman markups. And again, that's by design and we can afford to do that by offsetting a lot of those expenses through my other business operations and cash flowing from other investments I've made with uh, other ventures I've started up and sold off. So we know that like right now, uh, the business will continue to grow, but it will be profitable for a while. And that's, just a numbers game. Like we had a phenomenal year. We sold a bunch of shotgun shells and we know that there's a lot of work left to do. And instead of keeping the prices high and moving them down as our economies improve, we're keeping the costs where they're going to be and saying, we'll make our money once we get more people shooting this stuff. Right. So it hurts the right spot. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, I just kind of compliment on your, on your brand. So I was looking through the website and like this certi- certify that you're at least 18 years old. It says I certify that I'm at least 18 years old and I'm badass enough to know superior shot shells when I see them. That's just <laughs> so unique and no <laughs> one else Lee. is doing what you guys are doing. That's Lee. Yeah, that's Lee. That's Lee. And you know, the, the thing is like it takes a ton of time money and resources to pull something like this off and you know when it comes to business i love every aspect of it 
and I love grinding. I love pouring in the hours. I love spending money on investments that I have control over. And the last year, well, I guess Lee and I really got things going about June. But since then, it has consumed about 95% of my 10-hour days at work. Oh, man. So, yeah, I'm fortunate enough I got a solid team at the main main plant. And I'm there if people need me. But they know when Brandon gets that look in his eye, he starts walking fast all over the plant. That he's up to something. And that's <laughs> been me for the last year now. So that's how awesome. busy are you guys shipping out Boss Tom right now? Is that a pretty well, big Well, Boss hit? Tom thing... We've, we've bought our, I'm not going to say allocation, but we've bought a ton of the tungsten. It's almost gone. Um, I really don't want to sit on a bunch of inventory. I mean, we got to be smart here. I mean, everyone, like I said, I love spending money, but I don't want to be sitting on a bunch of tungsten that we're not going to be going through till next spring. And, you know, I kind of, right to Lee every now and again. It's like, man, we just got done with Waterfowl. Now we're going to launch this other product. And I love launching products, but I like seeing a return on investment maybe a little mm-hmm. sooner than later, especially because we're a year into this. And we're just like throwing money out, you know, thousands yeah. of dollars yeah. every single week. It just gets going and it's, it's expensive. So I'm like, you know what? We spent all this money on this boss, Tom, and it's doing good. But I want to be selling way more of it, you know. Uh, but what Lee says, you know, anyone wanting to get in the waterfowl business, you know, the work you do this year doesn't pay dividends until two and three years down the road. Mm-hmm. I think we got lucky with the boss waterfowl, the bismuth load, because there was such a need for what we're doing, you know, with the, the non-toxic, heavier-than-steel type shell. Right. Where there's so much competition in the turkey market, um, that really won't hit pay dirt, I think, for another year or two after everyone that's got these shells shoots them, enjoys it, and then starts spreading the word because word of mouth is, is king. Yeah. So you're planning on making, you're kind of living off of your waterfowl loads, but hoping to eventually start making dividends yeah, on those turkey loads. You know, we're. I'm not going to say we're not turkey hunters. We love turkey hunting. Mm-hmm. But up here in Michigan, turkey hunting is really easy. I mean, it's it's not a challenge at all. And one of the cool things about being direct to consumer and talking to to our customers, and you, know, you go down Mississippi and, oh, maybe even parts of Kansas, Florida for sure, Tennessee, it's hard to get your bird. Yeah. Or yeah. birds. Um. So it's a different mindset that, you know, we're learning at the same time. Our focus is giving really, really good shells at a really, really fair price, American-made, as much as possible. And uh, we are, I, I say that we're like, we're duck hunters that are making turkey loads for duck hunters who also shoot turkeys. <laughs> you know, we're not, we're not, we're not turkey hunting dudes making turkey shells for turkey hunters. Yeah, right, you know? yep. It's something we want to round out our product line and offer that to to the guys that just put down the duck gun and they're picking up a turkey gun. Right. Yeah, for sure. So you're talking about new products. Do you have anything else coming? Like uh, chokes or anything? Well, no. We we just got done. Well, 
we're, we're in the, the rollout phase of our copper-plated shot. You guys have heard about that, right? Oh, yeah. yeah, I mean, that's why I ended up picking up the phone and, and calling you. I've been watching you for, like, a while. And yeah. uh, I was, you know, I was just kind of holding off and kind of listening to you on, you know, Stanfield, uh, or excuse me, on the Big Honker podcast. And yep. then um, over there at, uh, oh, uh, the Duck Gun uh, podcast and kind of heard, you know, I was just kind of seeing you, feeling you guys out. And then I saw that and I was like, that is, that's cool. That's somebody I want to talk to, you know. So today was our, was our first day of loading um, all of the, 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 copper-plated inventory so when i was gone on vacation last week if you want to call it that gone going crazy um the guys at the shop in my plating department took all of the the inventory that we had already made getting ready for our show season and they ran it through the plating department so i came back and a majority of all of our shot had been copper-plated so then it's just a matter of putting them in shells and getting them cranking and, uh, you know, it was one of those things that kind of aggravated me in retrospect because my family's been plating since the 1950s. And I've got a plating department not 50 feet from where my loaders are. And why I never thought to put copper on top of bismuth, knowing its benefits when you put it over lead, it kind of it really put me in a bad mood for about four days where <laughs> I was just disappointed in myself. Like, how can I be that dumb that I didn't even think of doing that when all this stuff is right here in front of me? Well, hey, happy accident so, there. That, or, well, yeah, good discovery. I so. Yeah. Yeah. So. But it's one of those things like you, people don't, they don't do that. I don't know why. Um, maybe they just never have seen anyone do it before. So they, they just never think of it. I don't know. Well, that's another thing I pe- think people like about you. you guys are just revolutionizing the industry and coming out with a whole different uh, yeah. like format. Changing the well, game a and bit. the thing is, like, you're going to see our competition and new competitors come out. I mean, Bismuth has been around for, shoot, since the 90s. People were, were selling Bismuth when lead went illegal. They came out with Bismuth, but it just it, technology wasn't quite there. They didn't have the alloy right. And there's been two manufacturers that have offered bismuth for a handful of years. And I thought, man, I really, I really like shooting bismuth. And I think we can do something different and deliver a clear benefit to the consumer by going direct and really caring about what we're manufacturing. So we know that our competition is coming for us. And there's companies out there that are going to come out with their own bismuth and you know, I'm thinking, what are we going to do? I mean, we got one of the best brands that we're building. We've got awesome customers. We got dedicated crew of people working. We need to to really be competitive. And and this idea of copper plating kind of jumped in my mind. I'm like, we could create some separation between us and anyone else by offering this because nobody will be able to copper plate bismuth shot cheaper than me. And we've got the cost down to a point that we're not even charging any more money for, for the plating. It's just add to the process. Well, that's, and I think that's so, another thing that, you know, people particularly enjoy about Boss is that you're not a faceless, nameless corporation that is pumping out, you know, millions of shells a year. You know, you're, yeah. there's like a, you know, it's kind of like a craft beer, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's yeah. been drinking Miller Lite and Bud Light, but... Um, right. 
now you know you got this you know craft. I would call it craft ammo. Yeah, and yeah, uh, and I've called it a boutique load um, before, and I think it makes some people chuckle. But yeah, like you say, it's 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 a craft lower volume, but we can scale this up. I mean, I originally thought that we'd sell like fifty or sixty thousand shells a year, and you know, just have a good little time with it and make a few thousand bucks and go on a couple hunting trips. And we blew that number out of the water big time. So we're always going to have, you know, that direct consumer interaction, but I want to be making millions of these shotgun shells a year. And I know we can do it. We've got the capacity to do it and the desires there. So we just got to keep on doing our thing and get the word out and make it happen. But as you, you were asking the other new things, there's, um, there's other projects like long-term projects, projects we're working on, but for the time being right now, um, copper plate is the thing we're running with. We're going to probably dabble in some more tungsten for waterfowl. Um, and for the minute that's got us focused, but that's not to say that tomorrow I might have another idea jump in my head that we're going to be going great guns in a different direction with because i've been known to do that before how far away are we from biodegradable wads well i mean it's been here well yeah yeah go ahead, people sorry. have been shooting biodegradable wads for i don't know 100 years um and i wrote a paper on you know the the whole relative term of biodegradable and that's the thing you know biodegradable is a very very relative term like you want to talk about a cotton t-shirt that you bury in the ground is gone in a couple months uh a beer can's gone in a couple hundred years and a plastic uh piece you know garbage bag is gone in 500 years so everything does biodegrade over time it's just the extent and the impact it has on the environment while it's breaking down right so as far as wads, I mean, guys have shot fiber wads for a very long time yeah. that are biodegradable. Um, there's a you know, few companies that have started using uh, a biomass uh, polymer and molding plastic wads out of it um, that break down with water and UV light. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm on the fence about using, using that plastic only because... Uh, temperature cycling i don't know enough about it it's something i need to look into but i will tell you that i have experimented with fiber wads and um the main thing is there's an education aspect that has to go along with it because when you take the petals away from that shot cup right Mm -hmm. your your pattern is going to open up faster so holding the pattern together at distance becomes more difficult and as you choke tighter to try to bring that pattern back in to a more uniform tighter pattern like you normally would expect with a full or modified choke you end up with bismuth at least you end up deforming the pellets more and creating more flyers Hmm. so one of the thoughts i can't tell you wasn't a contributing factor because it was by trying to go with a petalless felt wad or fiber wad you would need to have something that's harder but not so hard that it's gonna you know uh, be rough on the barrel so i thought well what if we tried copper and you know here we go so now that i've got the hard crust like the m&m shell on a candy you know chocolate 
we're going to give it another go and see. But mm. if you take pedals off and you go felt or fiber wad, you're about two chokes more open. So a full is like an improved cylinder. Holy cow. I, yeah, I had no idea. that. <laughs> yeah. I guess a wad is not just a wad. <laughs> no. No, and, and I... And I not, I don't believe it's because the wad fingers are actually holding that shot together. I truly believe it's because the thickness of those wad pedals creates a smaller diameter shot string running through the barrel. Mm-hmm. So yeah. in theory, if you were to take a, a shotgun barrel and have that barrel bore be 30 thousandths, or 40,000 smaller ID, I think you would get the same pattern running down the, you know, at your pattern board with the same choke constriction as a percentage of the over of the board, right? So like 5,000 constriction as a percentage of the whole overall ID of the board. Maybe I'm getting too deep with you guys. But anyway, <laughs> pedal, I, think, I think the pedal thickness controls the the pattern more than the actual fingers do. So going back to less cripples, I think that's yep. going to just sell sell your product right there for you because, I mean, when we're out in Hunting oh, the Marsh yeah. this year, it's crazy the amount of shells we'll use on a cripple going across the water. Yeah. yeah, we almost use more shells right. on cripples than we do on actual oh, live ducks. And if I can eliminate especially, that, yeah, I, need a, I can buy a case less a year. Oh, yeah. Because... Two things going on. One, that bird is floating with all of its vitals underwater except for its head. And two, you're having to use larger shot with steel. So you've got fewer pellets flying at that duck or goose's head at distance. Yep, they just splatter all around it. Yeah. Yeah. I would actually bring out a second box of shells just for cripples last year. Well, some guys would take... um, like maybe two shot sizes smaller. Yeah, that's what Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'd and take like seven and a half dove loads, or I think there were sevens that came in steel yeah. that we could find. Yeah. So. So it's it's, but guys, you know, waterfowlers are a fickle bunch, man. I mean, we look at every single cost where it is, and as the season wears on, that becomes a bigger issue. So, I think. I think the pricing model that we have is, yeah, our shells are more expensive, but when you really look at like a premium steel, like the very high-end steel commercially loaded waterfowl cartridges out there, they're around a buck a piece or so, give or take. Mm-hmm. Maybe, uh, yeah, call it a dollar. You just go to the big box store, buy a dollar piece. We're a buck twenty for the same payload. But when you look at how many shells you shoot, and how many cripples you have, I guarantee you that you will have more birds killed with fewer shells with our stuff than with any steel load. Oh, yeah, for sure. Even yeah. the guys that say, oh, we shoot them at 30 yards and in. We don't need anything other than steel. I've been shooting all my life. I know there's a certain amount of BS that goes along with that. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't have tons I mean, that, of that's, if it distance. That, I would never... I, before shooting our stuff you know the stuff that i loaded myself i would never take a shot outside 35 40 yards max with steel shot and you hear pellets hitting you know uh late season geese all the thick feathers you hear them slapping them not going into that tissue and 
you know, just aggravate the heck out of me. And I jumped from brand to brand to brand, this one, that one. And I never found anything that really, really worked well without spending a ton of money on a tungsten load. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, I talk to a lot of people that work in the waterfowl industry and they, the one gripe that, or the one comment that they always get is, is that, uh, they don't get to uh, spend as much time in the marsh as they thought they were going to, uh, just because hunting season is, you know, by nature their busiest time of the year. Yep. Yep. How's that? Uh, how's that working out for you? Well, I told you guys I don't like vacation and I don't like not working. So, to me, it's perfect because I get to be involved in the waterfowl industry, which is a passion of mine. I get to work at the same time and I really don't like leaving. I'll hunt in the weekends, but I'm not a big time, a big time guy that like needs that can be gone from the shop. I just can't do it. Maybe in 10 years, that'll be different. Um, My wife is hoping that I can relax a little bit, but (laughs) I just, I took off one day this, uh, this late season or late goose season back in January. It was supposed to be a morning hunt, get in, get out get to work and it turned into an all-day event it was a good hunt but by about 11 o'clock i'm thinking i've got 18 people at my shop that are all working right now and here i am sitting my ass in a cornfield having fun that ain't right (laughs) (laughs) so it's the it's the it's the best of both worlds man i mean i love my job i absolutely love working i love going to my shop i love my my employees customers that come in i love it so me being able to to add this section of the business that uh is in waterfowl is even better so yeah you catch me on the weekends out hunting mornings sometimes but by and large man i'm at the plant it's where my heart's at so what would you say was your biggest complication like starting up your company or that you're dealing with right now is there a shipping a problem like out of the country out no, well, we can't we can't ship out of the country. I guess the, the biggest problem we have had is trying to find someone in Canada that wants to take the. I'm not gonna say they want to take the product line. Long story short, getting our product into Canada. There's a ton of people asking for it. We don't know enough about importing into Canada. I don't want to know. I want to <laughs> find someone in Canada who wants to make pile of money by buying our product and redistributing it throughout the whole country and take our our stuff up there and that's been a true challenge for us yeah and that's without going to like a bigger box like a to a yeah, bigger box store I'm, I'm, just I'm to the everyday guy box, man yeah the, yeah the extent to which we'll sell through retail is in canada and i it's going to be a, a small family-run operation not a chain um and that's the only way I'll have it, man. I mean, it's this whole big box mentality and, you know, it's, I don't agree with it. I think it's eroded the quality of, it's eroded quality all around consumer experience. It's eroded product quality um, and, and overall enjoyment. I mean, I can't tell you how many products you buy that are made in China that the company who manufactures them is making a couple percentage points profit on it while the big box retailers are making all the money for themselves. I mean, there's, nothing that, there's nothing that annoys me more 
than um, trying to get a hold of somebody at a company Mm -hmm. and not being able to. And just, you know, I have interests in uh, different companies and products that I'm curious about, and I try to, you know, get a hold of somebody. Um, And if it takes me longer than, if it takes me more than three calls, I don't even bother. Well, I'll ask you guys, like, you call, you call a company, you got a question or you got a problem, and they take you into the touch one for this or two for this yep. or three for that. You're thinking, okay, great, this is going to go really, really well. <laughs> so then you end up getting a hold of or you go to the extension of customer service, right? And you're on hold, and then two things happen. Either you get kicked into a voicemail box or your call gets disconnected, right? Yep. So and usually your problem doesn't you think, even get fixed. Yeah, and your your level of satisfaction goes down, and then you start thinking, I'm never going to hear from these people again, so I might as well not even leave a voicemail. Yeah, exactly. Right? Or what I love, what I absolutely love is the contact. You go to a website, contact. I'm thinking, great, I'm going to find a phone number. Oh. And they give you boxes with the red asterisks where you have to fill that box in and then you send the question and then maybe somebody might email you back. Yeah, exactly. When you go there and all you find is an email or that, that input form, it just, yep. that's not what waterfowlers want. That's no. not what hunters so want. So. What I told Lee when we were doing this, I'm like, you know, I've been a consumer all my life and I think it's time that we form a business where we treat customers like we want to be treated when we're consumers. Yeah. So, you know, you call between our business hours, which are usually seven in the morning to four o'clock, five o'clock at night. You're going to talk to a person. You call after hours, you're going to go to a voicemail. Meg calls you back. I'll call you back. We answer emails every single hour. And, you know, it's just all about creating that consumer experience. That's, so we got such a short season, like you, you were saying earlier, our season is maybe a hundred days. Yeah. If that ninety, yeah, yep. John Q. Public is working for five sevenths of that time. Maybe they might catch a week off. So they're weekend hunters, and they crave, you know, the 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 positive vibes they get from waterfowling. So you spend a whole year to hunt maybe seven or eight weekends, six weekends, seven weekends. However. And you want to have the best possible experience. So if we can help by giving really good customer service when people buy their ammunition, I think that helps our customers and all the waterfowlers have that, a better time out in the field. So in the long run, I mean, as you guys grow, how do you plan on not being, not becoming one of those, one of the standard companies today? Um. I don't think it's possible for us to turn into that because, you know, we're down to earth people, man. I mean, we're just hardworking Americans. And why is there a need for us to like all of a sudden be like, Oh, I'm too busy to call you back. Like, I don't know about you guys, but I get eight to 10 hours of sleep every night. I work 10 hours every day and I've got a five minute drive home from work. I have 30 seconds to five minutes to call somebody back on my way home from work, maybe on my way back from lunch if I go out to lunch that day or whenever. Nobody is that important in this world to be too important to call somebody back. 
That's what I like about. Yeah, you don't hear that very often. A lot of the sure. new companies in the outdoor industry are starting to go direct to consumer, no BS. You get what you pay yeah. for. Yeah, and that's and you're dealing that, with real people. The, the, the easiest thing is to to ensure that is I still love what I do, and I'm involved, and anyone who works with me um, at Boss or any of you know the other companies I have are you know that that's what you got to do you want to hang out with us this is what the expectation is and i've got higher expectations than the average joe and i'm a fanatic about customer experience customer service because without customers who are you going to sell your product to what is boss if nobody buys it yeah worthless or you know if if somebody's just literally turned every time they see boss they're like oh those dudes were jerks to me on the phone or uh, Mm -hmm. those dudes never called me back like, I'll just shoot X or Y. Um, well, and, and the other thing, too, that I, that I think is another positive benefit is everyone knows that nobody's perfect, right? Guns malfunction. Machines may break. Orders may get mixed up. But if you've got that dialogue, people are going to be way more receptive and still walk away with a positive experience when bad things happen if they know you care. Right. Absolutely. And, well, like we were talking earlier, when you call that 1-800 number – or you get the voicemail box or the, you know, you fill, you fill out my information form and maybe I'll contact you back. Right. That doesn't start a relationship off in on the right foot. Yeah. So anyway. Yeah. So, you know, talk a little bit about your, you know, your operation, your machine, uh, excuse me, uh, your, your, uh, your shop and whatnot. Where yep. are you going to test all these patterns? And Behind the what shop. Is, what does that look like? <laughs> we're kind of in the middle of nowhere. I mean, we're, our shop is in a town of 5,000 people. Uh, we've got one of very few nuclear power plants not, oh, man, two miles from us okay. as the crow flies. And the high-tension transmission lines that go out of one of the two reactors run right next to our property so that property is a cow pasture you know so it's very open around by us behind our shop is buck brush and you know some swamp land and some trees and that's where we do all of our pattern work so we go outside shoot the paper shoot the cardboard come back inside nothing fancy you know it's awesome you can do everything on site yeah yeah don't got to deal with that extra complications. Yeah, right. It's not like we're in the middle of a city. You can't, you know, <laughs> yeah, and, and we got good relationships with the surrounding neighbors. You know, my buddies are on the volunteer fire department. Uh, I know some of the police officers, and it's just a small community. You know, it's small town place to be. Yeah. What's been the best day in the uh, in the boss shop so far? The the best day. You know, I would say 90% of the days are the best days. <laughs> There's, I, like I said, I get, I get in bad moods. Like when I'm, I'm an extremely competitive guy. And when I, I see certain things as failures and when I get down on things, I can kind of go dark for a while. But like I said, 90% of the days, I mean, every day I get to wake up and we get orders come in and you get to talk to Meg and Rich and all the other guys. I mean, we have, amazing times but i guess if, if we had one day that was like a standout 
Oh, man. I would probably say it was, I don't know. Maybe we'll circle back to that. Hard one. <laughs> it's, it's too hard to pick one, man. There's, it's just, it's so good. My apologies, my apologies. So, <laughs> so you say you go out uh, hunting mostly on the weekends and whatnot. What, uh, yep. What's your typical duck hunt like? Or goose water. Or, or goose hunt, yeah. Okay, well, ducks on water, geese in the field. Um, a lot of a lot of food that we're eating, cooking breakfast in my duck boat. Um, a lot of laughing, a lot of BSing, not a lot of killing. But if you time it right, if you time it right, it's like you're you're in some of the best, most productive hunting land in the country. You get um, a lot of divers up there in Michigan. We do, and that's one of the things we're going to really try to go after more often. I mean, we're right on Lake Michigan, and you go anywhere from 300 yards to a mile offshore, and it's just loaded with divers. Um, but a lot of times, you know, you got to have the right weather, and, and our weather comes just like everyone else, predominantly yep. out of the west, northwest. So we get the rough water, um, but if the lake lays down, um, man, we, I bet we could clean up out there. So that's ducks over water, geese in the field. I mean, we shoot a lot of cornfields um, early season, and late season is really hot by us. We we do really good in the late season here. So what type of show would you recommend me for shooting? So usually late season here in Kansas, we're shooting big honkers and mallards. So what? I can shoot in a 12-gauge. Well, well, yeah, I, I'm a 12-gauge guy. Um. I shot number five, two and three quarter inch, 1350s all the way through to late season. I, I could have shot them all the way up until the end of the season, but I switched and tried running the three inch shells and different shot sizes. And I shot twos at geese one day and it absolutely wrecked them. Um, <laughs> yeah. The, the first time I actually shot your guys' stuff, uh, I was out with uh, Chase White and Cody Crook um, and then one of their guides, uh, he he said, "Hey Ben, try try this out." I said, "Oh, hey, no man, I I only shoot like number, you know, I only shoot number two, three inches. Like, I yep. I, I don't get to shoot that much, so keep that, you know, two and three quarter stuff away from me." <laughs> and he was like, "No, it, you you got to try it." And I was like, "What is it?" And he was like, "It's the boss stuff." And I was like, "All right, let me see that." <laughs> and I put one up there. And I just the next one just. There was you could feel the difference in in the in the kick in the uh, yeah. You just I just felt like the bird just crumpled and I was like, oh, hey, scoot some of them on over this. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and, and you know the boss number five is kind of taking on a life of its own, and I can I can shoot geese all season long with number fives because I like taking head and neck shots. Yeah, and um. I have, like I said, I, I think I'm a better than average shot, and I know where to put the shot to, to kill that bird nice and clean. And by having the smaller pellets and fuller patterns with the bismuth, um, that's how you're able to create clean kills. Uh, ducks, nothing but fives. I mean, uh, my buddy shot sixes and even sevens in timber with them, and they've loved them. People have shot teal with number sevens. Um, but if I only had one shell to shoot, it would be a two and three quarter inch number five. Now, other guys we hunt with, they like a number four. Um, one shell that we have experimented a lot with that is re- going to be released for public consumption this year is a 3-5 mix. Oh, yeah. so you get Ooh. 50% of the shot is number threes and 50% is number fives. We 
take our three shot, five shot, throw it in our tumbler, mix it up into the loader it goes. So you get the, the pellet count of like a number four because it has about the same number of pellets as a solid number four. Right. But you get a little bit tighter patterns with the number fives, you know, in that, that group. But then you still have, you know, number threes for body shots. So for a goose hunter, the whole thing of shoot for the wings, break wings, bring them down, finish them off on the ground with the second shot is like nails on a chalkboard for me. Yeah. So late season, if birds are smart and the wind is doing goofy things or your decoy spreads not right, or they're getting weird with seeing your blinds or whatever, we've had geese that have set up and they're locked in committed and they short us. Right. Yep. And I'm not a proponent of taking long shots or what people want to call sky busting. But if you've got a three pack of honkers set up and they are committed to coming in, but you know that they're going to land short and they're at 55 yards, I'm going to take the shot. Yeah. And I've taken those shots and I've killed those birds. Yeah. I've got a buddy, our, three, my other buddy, my, my other buddy, Austin, we always give him crap because he always wants to shoot way before us and, I'm like, yeah, man, like you're close to sky bus. And he's like, it's not sky busting if they fall down every time, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, and that's the thing. I mean, you're always going to have that group, right? Yeah. You're always going to have that guy that's going to want to sky bust or whatever. But I think what a lot of that is, if you're, if your buddy can pull those shots off, the only people that are going to call him a sky buster, are the ones that can't. So there's that, <laughs> right. that element of proficiency that goes along with it, where it used to be with steel shot that the lack of density, the lack of pattern density is was the limiting factor in a lot of people's hunting success. Now, with our shells, for the money, you can't beat it lethality-wise, and it takes that shell out of the equation as being a limiting factor, and it becomes the guy pulled the trigger in their proficiency with that shotgun. Yeah. yeah. One thing so if you end up having really lethal ammunition and the guy can pull off the shot then let it be one thing i couldn't believe was i think it was last season start of last season or maybe this season even was people shooting late season honkers with those two and three quarter fives mm-hmm. just yeah, dropping them dead at 50 yards yeah yeah no i mean no other my, shell's gonna do that two well three, two, three, quarter, tungsten, five. tungsten will but you're gonna pay you know, three, four bucks a squeeze, not a dollar twenty. Yeah. Right. So five hundred bucks a case and, or something. Yeah. And so back to like what shells would I choose? If I only had one, it'd be the number five. Um if you're into shooting body shots on geese, number threes in the late season or number twos are you know, they're they're wrecking balls. Um yeah. if you're a good shot and you can put on the head and neck, then shoot fives for all your ducks, all your geese, year-round. We're going to have to order some cases and try them out on these Kansas honkers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, so are your, the, the honkers you guys get, those are those are big ones. Those aren't the letters. Yes, yeah. yes, where we're at. I mean, you go, it's kind of weird because yeah, you, you go, go an, hour an hour west and you're hunting all lessers. All the snow specs and lessers you can think yeah, of. But where we're located, it's a rarity to find a lesser mixed in, yeah. honestly. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, if this was just a private conversation amongst us girls, I'd be able to tell you, like, what people have said, you know, what 
distances they're stepping off after they they kill the birds and you know it's it's stupid it really is gotta try these things that that are industry guys that are like surgeons with their shotguns i mean they know what their equipment what their capabilities are Mm -hmm. and like i said the shell no longer is a limiting factor so for any guy that wants to tell me that a number five two and three quarter 1350 doesn't have enough power to kill a goose after 40 yards i can tell him man i hate to tell you this but i think you might be wrong yeah yeah, yeah. is there like a uh, like a certain because obviously when you're patterning these you try to keep it with the same choke and everything is there like a certain choke that you'd recommend to shoot these two i found that like my benelli <laughs> i've got a original super black eagle mm-hmm. and that gun likes the factory full choke the best like the lead factory full um and or a 685 i like a 685 choking in i like shooting tight chokes again because i hate cripples and i believe in clean kills or clean misses and there's no need for a modified choke in my hands i'm yep. not going to yep. take it partially because the the male ego doesn't allow me to shoot something less than full <laughs> yeah it's like it's like it's like only going halfway and i don't like going halfway so if i can go tighter than full i will um but one thing i do have to work on is you know i think maybe uh with us putting the copper on the shot now um maybe these chokes are going to change a little bit because a lot of what what we're having to shoot that tighter choke for is because of pellet deformation as it runs through the barrel. That's why lead has to be choked a little bit tighter because you're getting flyers from, you know, the, the shot deforming as it goes down the barrel, as it the powder ignites and it mushes together a little bit. Um, I think maybe, you know, obviously we've seen it. The patterns are tightening up um, with copper plating. Eh, not a lot, maybe 5%, but yeah. 5%. On 300 pellets is 15, 15 pellets. I mean, that's that's substantial. Oh, yeah. yeah. So we'll continue to play with it. But I think, uh, me, I'm still going to shoot a full choke. And I think everybody should, should shoot a full. So how much testing did you do when you switched to the copper plating now? Mm, probably not as much as you guys would like to think. <laughs> um, it was one of those things where I went out and I shot three shots of about four different loads, various loads, two and three quarter, different velocities, um, two different shotguns, and it was enough for me to see a trend. So I sent Rich out, and I had him shoot, and uh, started counting holes in paper, ran the math. And so you could I see the difference, you like, knew. Yeah. I'm like, Lee, better. I found something. And Lee's big thing is, when I come up with an idea, he doesn't care what it is. His question is this. Does it provide value to the customer? That's all he cares about, right? Not, man, Does we can sell a whole bunch of these because it's a good idea and we can make people think it does this. Not to rip people off of your... Yeah. yeah. Right. Lee's thing is, does it provide value to the customer? I said, well, it's tightening patterns up. You know, we're getting about you know 5% more pellets in. And it's, it's bringing them in more uniform. And at, you know, 40 yards, I'm damn near 100% um, with that Benelli. 
That's awesome. Jeez, so. That's awesome. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, you kind of touched on something that sparked one of my questions uh, earlier. Um, talked about talking to people in the industry, you know. You've uh, just recently kind of entered the, the waterfowl uh, hunting industry uh, as a player, and a big one. Um, what what were the differences be- like before and after? You know, what was something maybe that you were like, oh, that's pretty cool, or... Uh, actually, oh, oh yeah. so you're, you're saying like going from a from a consumer in the waterfowling industry to being like a, a player or a, yeah, yeah, okay. Um, well, I'll tell you this. Probably not the fairest question to ask me because I work a lot, I enjoy hunting, but I'm not one that that like would obsess over. Oh, I gotta have this camouflage. I gotta have this gun. I gotta do this. I gotta do that. I'm more of a I'm gonna say a fundamentalist, mm-hmm. but I don't. I never paid too much attention to it. I mean, you see the names, the brands, this, that, the other thing. Okay, that's cool, but I never would take these deep dives and like obsess over gear, right? I got a 20 year old shotgun. It's the gun that I love. That's what I shoot. You know, I had five year old camouflage. It didn't matter to me. Um, so I think at first, like hey, so-and-so wants to shoot your stuff. So-and-so, this guy, this guy, this guy. It was kind of humbling. It's like, man, that's kind of cool. Um, And it it really was humbling. But at the same time, you got to understand that I'm no different than anybody. I wake up, I brush my teeth, I get dressed just like everybody else. So being recognized in the outdoor industry doesn't make you cooler or better than anybody else. So that, that whole thing kind of never really weighed too much um, with me. But one of the cool things was like, hey, this guy, I've, I've read about him in magazines. You see him on TV or this or that. Now he wants to shoot our stuff. That's cool. Yeah. So it's kind of to have that to have that instant uh, recognition is was surprising. But one of the big things is how small this industry is. I mean. You sneeze and everybody catches a cold. Yeah, it's a There's honestly really, small really, world. Oh, way small, way small. So how many how many guys see your fame and contact you and try and say, "Oh, I'm sponsored by so and so. Can I be sponsored by you?" You have, do you get that a lot or too many? It's it's done. It it, it was really I'm not gonna say bad because I don't want to I don't fault these guys who do this. It's it's what happens with social media and society. I mean, they, they everyone kind of has these self and the, the perception is like, well, I've got this many followers. Yeah, I'm pro staff you know, from I'm, 20 I'm companies. Yeah, I'm a big deal. Um, but we've done a really good job at like being very clear and honest and saying, hey, we don't have a pro staff. We're not going to have a pro staff the closest thing we're going to have is a group of people who buy our product and shoot our product and share their experiences through word of mouth, Mm -hmm. posting, tagging us on social media. And, you know, please understand that in order for us to keep the prices down, we can't afford and are not willing to give free stuff away in exchange for anything because it doesn't make economic sense. It doesn't provide value to the customer and it puts out a false narrative. That's what, yeah, so that's what, what it should see, be. Yeah. What you see on social media 
and people talking about our product that is 100% genuine and original and organic. Yeah, they're, have, not, they're not doing they, it for a, yep. no, a price. No, they're doing it because they are, love the shop and it works. Right. These are dudes that are working and giving us a significant portion of their paycheck to buy our product, right? And I take that very, very seriously. So I want to, in turn, I want to thank them by giving them the best quality product that money can buy. And people recognize that, they appreciate it, and that's what continues to spread the word. So that's our pro staff right there. Um, And as that's been, you know, said on other podcasts and numerous phone calls and a lot of engagement with social media, a lot of those people have respectfully stopped contact contacting us. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I think, but I mean, it's hard not to, if, if we didn't have the funding, right. To, to get the word out there and we needed to create a, a return on our investment because we would have, I don't know, a mortgage to pay, or bank loans on the company, or no other source of income, people would have to buckle to the pressures of society and have to like, okay, well, I need to get money today. I have to get the word out, and this is the easiest way to do it. We're not ever going to do anything the easiest way. There is no easy way to do anything. There's the right way. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I think that's one thing that's... I mean, we've talked about it a lot on the podcast. Um, is just kind of this pro staffing slash, you know, followers equaling you know X amount or influence and the whole nine yards. And uh, I think you're probably right. That's probably the you know, if you're a big, 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 big company and you've got that built into your budgeting market, sure, like. Well, even then, you got you got to look at like there was a point in time, just like labor unions, right? There was a point in time, and there still is a need for unions. There still may be a need for pro staff, but back before the internet, before Facebook, social media, you know, Instagram, Twitter, all that stuff, you had magazines, and you had word of mouth, and you had shows. Right. So you could have like the old call guys used to have four or five call makers. Now, how many custom call makers are there? Oh, right. Count one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, how many so those, lanyard companies are there? How many right. Decoy oh, yeah. companies those those four up? or five guys would travel around the country and get the word out by going to shows. And in those regions, they would have customers and people that have used their product to continue to spread that word friends and family with the pro staff. Now with social media, I think there probably still is a need for a pro staff in competitive markets where there's a lot of BS and a lot of false narratives. So you can have guys that are educated, that know what they're talking about, that can be spreading the, the, the truth. Mm-hmm. Because one of the things that, that runs rampant in social media is people have a voice who have done very little or nothing compared to the previous generation of businessmen in our industry who would grind for years going show to show to show and working, right? Now a guy can go on, start an Instagram account, 
pay 15 bucks for a logo, buy likes, buy followers, and then call himself an influencer because he's got numbers that back up his social media page. Yep. And I think that's honestly giving waterfowl hunters and hunters in general just a bad name. Just... It's really shallow. It's kind of disappointing, but I mean, that, hopefully that changes. I mean, mm-hmm. it's obviously, I mean, if people are in business that way, it's unsustainable. I mean, like I said, waterfowl hunters are a fickle bunch. They've also got bullshit sensors that go off very, very, very easily. They're calibrated, well-tuned pieces of equipment. Yeah. But you, you just hope that, you know, through education that and, and good business practices that people people know what's good and what's what's not Mm -hmm. absolutely absolutely well i always i kind of ask people this question um quite a bit when we have them on um and it's always something that uh, i like to uh judge someone off of i guess (laughs) (laughs) you only get to you only get to hunt one more time um where are you going what are you hunting who are you hunting with uh, what's the weather like? You know, ex- explain that day to me. You get oh, to build it. Man. I'm taking my son. I'm taking. I'm taking three other people. You want me to name them? Yeah, you, yeah whatever you. I'm, what, take, I'm taking. I'm taking. Uh, Ob, who runs the fan page. I'm okay. taking Rich, who works with me loading shells. I'm taking my son. I'm taking my buddy Dwayne. We're going to shoot geese in a frozen cornfield. It's going to be about four degrees and snowing like crazy. Yeah. I love it. There you go. And as much as I like to say I'd like to take Lee, truth be told, I never hunted with him before. So. (laughs) (laughs) You don't know yet. Yeah. I can't say I'd want to. I'd want to. Have, if there was no if there's no limit, I mean, of course, all the boss would be coming. Yeah. But if I only had a small group to do it, that would be my my local group of, of guys. Awesome, awesome. And then my buddy Jason too. My buddy Jason would be in there for sure. Jason was sitting there waiting patiently to hear, to hear that. <laughs> and you know why? Because he is the most laid back, relaxed, easygoing dude that you'd ever meet. Guaranteed. <laughs> Guaranteed. That's awesome. So I heard yeah. you're a Packers fan. <laughs> you, you a Jordy yeah. Nelson fan? I always liked him. I liked him, but just like anything, you can be good today, but you're only going to be good tomorrow if you keep on working. Yep. And uh, I don't know what's going on with the Packers. I think I think Nelson was a good guy. I hate to see Clay Matthews leave. I love the intensity. Even... Even though he may not have delivered like he did before, he still caused enough distraction, and he was a mm-hmm. he was a leader. Yeah, you know? yeah. That's sometimes that, that's the reason I ask because we're we're from Manhattan, we're K State fans all our lives. So, yeah, so we, we grew up watching Jordy, Jordy Nelson, mentor. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. I I think the guy what is he thirty three now? Yeah, um, yeah. age, but. I don't know, but if, if he's listening, we got a couple of his properties we've been trying to get permission on. So if he could <laughs> go ahead and give us a call, that'd be great. I think, I think he's got he's got the skill and he's got the talent. He's got the drive. Um, I don't know what happened because you start talking about Packers, and unfortunately, I can't think about good football. I think about inter office politics and all the behind the scenes crap yep. that's kind of been going on. The last that's ruining it, honestly. Yeah, and it's it's hard to 
even talk football when you talk Packers because I can't get past all the drama and crap. Mm-hmm. So football is nowadays. Think, Every sport now. Three, oh yeah, my three favorite players in the NFL are were Jordy Nelson, Clay Matthews, and Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Good three. BJ Raji, yeah. if he were still playing, I love that. I'm not even a Packers fan, and I like those three guys. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it seemed like they could go drink a beer with those guys and uh, you know hang out. Like, yeah. So yeah. But all right, Brandon, I appreciate uh, you coming on to the podcast. This has been uh, really fun, and uh, you know what? What message? What final message do you have for the the listeners of the Foul Front? Mm. What do we? Man, I could, you know me, I could talk for days <laughs> yeah. about anything. Looking like we're after to do another episode. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can talk about anything, but if I had one thing to say, it would be conservation um, in any sense. I mean, broad or narrow, uh, Shoot, don't shoot cripples. Don't take shots that you're not capable of pulling off at yep. any distance. Mm-hmm. If your shooting's off the first volley, give yourself one more, but if you're not hitting birds put the gun away or only do them if if, if they're going to be right on, on top of you, you know? Yeah. Um, way too many cripples. 3.4 to 3.7 million birds are crippled every single year. And it's a statistic that people don't like to talk about. And they want to say it's not real, but that's, you know, U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service conducted the study. It's been verified by Ducks Unlimited, Delta Waterfowl. I mean, all this stuff is, it's very real. 20%, one out of every five migratory birds that are living well no that are harvested i'm sorry 15 million a year one out of every five is is crippled that's crazy yeah that's too many and i know way too many in my in my group and people who are shooting our ammunition are helping drive that number down i know we're gonna have less crippled last year next year because people are calling telling us and it's not because a lot of it is the ammunition but I would say there's a certain component of it that goes along with education. Picking the right joke. Talking to these guys about pattern density. Getting these people outside shooting cardboard so they become proficient. I can't tell you how many people call our shop and buy shells who have never patterned their shotgun. Think about it. Crazy. Mm-hmm. So how can you be a good, a good steward and go out there and participate and take a gun and shoot something that you've never really put on paper. You don't know exactly what that thing's going to do when you pull the trigger. Yeah. yeah. I don't want to, you know, be mean. I don't want to like, be around preach that. You about it. But I mean, that that's kind of, that's kind of staggering to think, right? Yeah. Definitely an important so that's statistic. To look conservation. At. That's, that's what we'll say tonight. We'll leave it at that. How about? Sounds Absolutely. Good. Sounds great. And, uh, you guys know, no, I love this. So you call me anytime you want to, you want to talk? I'll talk for days. Oh yeah, absolutely. And uh, go ahead and check out uh, Boss Shot Shells on Facebook, Instagram. Probably it. Their website. Are you guys anywhere else? Those are like really the only two that I. Not bought. yet. Not yet. We're gonna have some really good good ads running Wildfowl Magazine this year. We signed nice. a contract with them, Sweet. so you'll be seeing a lot of cool photography from Lee in there, and awesome. who knows what. But there there might be might be some good stuff. You'll, you'll see it. You'll know it when you see it. All right. Sounds good. Well, <laughs> All right, fellas. You have a good evening. Yes, you too. Absolutely. You too. I'll chat soon. All right. Bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Foul Front Waterfowl Podcast. 
Please come join us on our Facebook group, the Fowl Front Waterfowl Podcast Group, where you can connect with a good group of hunters because we're all in this together. We need to act like it so that hopefully our great, great grandkids will be hunting ducks over our favorite public lands. Uh, We also ask that you go ahead and give us a written review on iTunes and give us five stars if you think we deserve it. And we really do want to hear back from you uh, so that we can give you the best possible content. And if you get in on that Facebook group, you can get in there and you can ask questions and you can tell us what you want to hear next or you can tell us uh, what you don't like. And we'll be sure to tailor things to our listeners. So, all right. Stay safe out there and we will see you next week. Hey, you ever been sitting in front of your TV just wondering why you can't catch the latest episode of The Foul Front right there in your living room so you can press all your guests and family with your fine taste and podcast listening? Me neither. But hey, as a part of the Waypoint Outdoor Collective, you can now find The Foul Front and some other great podcasts on your Apple TV, your Roku, your Amazon Fire Stick, Smart TV, even your gaming console just by downloading the Waypoint app. And heck, while you're there, they got over 2,500 hunting and fishing shows on demand. Go download the Waypoint app today. Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue, brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors. Every Monday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. When you go out there and the fish are where you think they are, any one of these casts could be the bite. It's the most exciting fishing that I know right here at Hawks Cave. Oh, that's awesome. Experience the best saltwater fishing the world has to offer. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience. Brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts. Every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment.